can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the word of God. It is ever-living. It is ever-powerful. It is quick and sharp. And it's, Father, just like a two-edged sword. And it can pierce and divide our souls from our spirit. So that, Lord, we can not only know the intent of our heart, but, Father, our souls can be corrected in the process. And so I step back so the Spirit of God can use me to articulate the things of God through your word and by your spirit. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders to follow the word and follow our lives as we apply it and believe it. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated at home. We're in a series called Ready, Set, Grow. Everybody say, Ready, Set, Grow. And that's the theme that we have for our church for the year 2022 because we've declared that 2022 is going to be a year of substantial growth. Everybody say substantial growth. It is going to be a year of accelerated manifestation. Everybody say. And then it is going to be a year of record-breaking opportunities. Everybody say record-breaking opportunities. And so today is our fifth lesson. It is our final lesson before I start our new series for next week. And the whole goal of this series has been to inspire you and I to make a commitment to growing beyond where we are today so that we can, listen, manifest God's blessings and best for our life. And so last week I talked about growing closer to God. And and my first point, and I'm going to do a slight review so I can build on uh, last week's message. Our first point last week is was this because see you can have a relationship with God and don't have fellowship with God and that was our first point our second point was we determine how close we get and want to be to God that's not something that God determines that's something that we determine and then we talked about four different types of fellowship positions we can have with God because remember you and I can have a relationship with God once you are born again you become a son and a daughter of God However, it's our fellowship with God, our communion with him that determines how close we get to him. And so we looked at four different types of fellowship positions. And the first one was a transaction relationship. And this is where you and I uh, or people mostly connect to God due to what he can do for them. You know, I call that one a gold digger relationship. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a gold digger? Now look at him and say, don't talk to me no more in service, don't you? We have a transactional relationship. And then number two, we looked at the translucent relationship. And that means that's where you allow light to come through, but not enough to show details. And so it's a semi-transparent type of relationship. And this is where we get close enough for God for him to show us some things, but not too close enough where we are convicted to make some changes. 
And then we looked at the transparent relationship. And this is where we allow God to see in us and through us. And, but, but, but what we do, though, we allow his love to be the excuse that we don't change. Oh, you know, God knows my heart. And then the last one was a transfigured relationship. Everybody say a transfigured relationship. And that's where we get close enough to him to let him show us things and tell us things. And then we are changed in the process of it. And so the last point we made last week as we jump into this week's lesson, the last one was as we grow closer or uh, uh, if we're going to get closer, we have to move closer. In other words, the scripture says that when we draw close to God, he draws close to us. So we have to make the first move. So if you're taking notes today, the message is growing in kingdom value. Growing in kingdom value. Everybody say growing in kingdom value. And this is going to be kind of like a heart message. And I'm hoping that I can reach your heart because when you value something, you will do whatever it takes to protect it. And the goal of the message today is to give you and I insight into how valuable the kingdom of heaven is so that we can develop the faith, listen, to surrender and sacrifice our life for it. What's interesting, one of the pastors came up to me uh, this past weekend, and he came up to me real close. You know, he invaded my COVID space. You know, you got COVID space. He invaded it. I'm like, why is he coming so close to me? And he says, are you going to get married again? And I said, I I can't answer that right now. So then he asked me again, are you going to get married again? As if he didn't hear me the first time. So I gave him the same answer. I said, I can't answer that right now. So he asked me again. I figured he's not getting it. So he says, are you going to get married again? And here's what I told him. I said, at this point where I am is whatever is best for the kingdom of God is what I'm going to do. And right now, only God knows that. See, when you, when you understand the value of kingdom. You're willing to sacrifice your life to do what's best for it. Are y'all with me? So if you ask me, that's my answer. Whatever is best for the kingdom and whatever God feels is best is what I'm going to do. I have no agendas at this point other than to please him. Somebody say that's good stuff right there. Woo! I'm excited about that. Okay, Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at this verse because this verse is something interesting. It says, again, everybody say again. Okay, so when you see the word again, you need to see why it's there again. When you say more than, you know, the same thing to your kids, when you have to say it again, that means they didn't hear you what? The first time. So he says, this is Jesus talking, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure that's hid in a field. The which when a man has found it, he hides it, and for joy, there goes, and he sells how much, church? Come on, church. Come on, through the mask, how much? He says he he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Watch verse 45. What's the next word, church? Again. Okay, Jesus said, listen, I don't know if y'all are getting this. I need you to get it. So he's going to say it. Again, he says in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man seeking goodly pearls 
who when he has found one pearl of great price, he went and sold how much church? All that he had and he bought it. Now here's a pretty obvious question that I asked myself as I started reading both of those accounts. Here's the question. What made these two individuals sell all that they had to purchase what they purchased? What made them, what motivated them to sell everything they had? Well, here's the answer. They valued what they had found over what they already had. They value what they found over what they already had. And the point of the two stories was to point out that the kingdom of heaven, listen, is more valuable than anything that we may currently have in our possession. And I'm convinced the average believer, say, everybody say the average believer. Say, I'm not the average believer. The average believer has very little understanding of how much their life can change for the better when they understand the value that the kingdom of heaven brings. And so here's point number one, if you're taking notes, the differences between kingdoms. So what I'm going to try to do here is to explain the difference between the kingdom of God and, and the kingdom of heaven because they're different. Even though there are a lot of similarities to the two, I want to do my best to try to point out the difference between the two. So the kingdom of God, because in that verse it talked about the kingdom of heaven. Well, the kingdom of God, when you look it up, it's the realm where God rules and reigns. It's a place of power, authority, and dominion. It's a realm. Everybody say it's a realm. It's a realm where only God reigns. Nobody else reigns. This is his kingdom. And it's the place where his power, his authority, and his dominion takes place. Now, here's the thing about the kingdom of God. The qualifier to get into this kingdom is you must be born again. You can't get into, listen now, the kingdom of God without being born again first. The Amplified Version of John chapter 3 verse 3 says this Jesus answered and uh, Jesus answered him and said I assure you he was talking to Nicodemus mostly I tell you that unless a person is what church born again now listen if you are born again that means you had to be born a, the first time okay so the first time is the physical birth the second time is the spiritual birth so he tells Nicodemus I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, that unless a person is born again, a new from above, he cannot ever see, know, be acquainted with, and experience the what? Kingdom of God. So, for you and I to get into the kingdom of God, we have to first be what? Born again. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, also backs that up. It says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, being born again, listen church, is the access code that allows you and I to enter into this realm where God rules and reigns. And so this is where we have an advantage over people in the world. Why? Because now once we get born again, we have access to God's power. Now, Let's talk about this second type of kingdom because most times we don't think about this, but then there are, uh, uh, there's another realm and it's the kingdoms of this world. Matthew chapter 4 verse 8, this is where Jesus was being tempted by the devil. 
He gave him three different temptations, and here's one of them in verse 8. It says, and again, the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain. Everybody say, that's physical. And then watch what he did. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Okay, so he took him up to a high mountain, and what did he show him? The kingdoms of this world. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, I love it. It says this, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this what? World are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So eventually, when Jesus comes back, he's going to even take over the kingdoms of this world so you have the kingdom of god we have to get, we have to get born again to get into that you have the kingdoms of this world and then we're going to now talk about the kingdom of heaven because this is what our foundational verse is talking about it's talking about the kingdom of heaven so back to back to matthew chapter 13 i'm just going to reread the first part of it in verse 44 it says the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field which when a man has found it, he hides it, and for joy he goes and sells all that he has. Now let me, let me point something out to you that you may not have known. This phrase, kingdom of heaven, is mentioned 32 times throughout the whole Bible. 32. But watch this. All. Everybody say all. All 32 times where this phrase, kingdom of heaven, was mentioned, it's only mentioned in the book of Matthew. So Mark, Luke, and John, you will not find the phrase kingdom of heaven. You'll find the phrase kingdom of God, but you will not find the phrase kingdom of heaven. And I thought, wow, that's different. Why would Matthew record it and nobody else? Now, the kingdom of heaven, uh, it's where, listen now, it's different, but it's, it's close. It's where God functions from. It's an actual place. The kingdom of heaven is an actual place. Everybody say the kingdom of heaven is an actual place. The Amplified Version of 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 through 5 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has gotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, one that fades not away. Watch this reserved in heaven for you well what's what's reserved in heaven for you this inheritance that's incorruptible this inheritance that's undefiled and this inheritance that won't fade has been reserved where in where in heaven so if it's reserved in heaven that means heaven is a physical place that has some of my reserved inheritance in it and see that's why when you give And when I'm talking about giving now, I'm talking about of your time, your talent, your resources. When you give to the kingdom of God, when you give, you are storing up treasures in heaven. That's what Jesus said. And then he says, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. And this is why it's so important that we make sure that we monitor our hearts. Because your heart and your faith are the most important commodities of your life. And see, sometimes you, if you don't monitor your heart, if you don't keep a close watch, and when I say monitor, just not monitoring it from the Word, but also monitor it from letting the Spirit of God show you some things, because if not, your heart can get off and you not know it. Everybody say years ago. See, when I got saved, my primary reason for getting saved was I didn't want to go to hell. When I realized, because, you know, uh, 
they didn't really talk about heaven and hell in the Presbyterian church. I never saw anybody except Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We didn't have an altar call. No one came down. No one, I, don't, I don't know. So I learned about the gospel in college. And when I realized, oh, wow, you're not born a Christian. In other words, if your family, your parents are Christians, you don't automatically be a Christian. But that's what I thought. They're a Christian, so I'm a Christian. No, God does not have, he does not have grandkids. He only has kids. So when I realized that, I'm like, man, I'm going to hell. So I got saved, right? So one of the things for me is, when I got saved, I was like, you know what? I'm going to use my faith to enjoy the life God gives me. At the time, business, that was my my drive, and I'm like, I'm going to use my faith to grow in business and to bless, watch this, use my faith to get the things that I want in life. Now, when I start, first start getting the stuff. When I say stuff, I'm talking about things like cars and all that kind of stuff, right? See, you're young in the faith, you, you know, you, just like I'm not saved now because I'm going to go to hell. I'm saved because I love God. So I've grown through that. So, you know, when I first started, I'm like, you know what? Uh... God's blessing, it used to be for me to say, hey, this is something that God can do for you. So that's why I was like, I want to be blessed because I want people to know that if God did it for me, he can do it for them. But see, over time, if you don't monitor your heart, that eventually turned in into not God, you know, seeing, oh, God can do this for you. This was, oh, look what God did for me. See that? Can y'all see the difference? One of them is about me. And one of them is about God. Now, the stuff stayed the same. It's my heart position. So the kingdom of God is the realm where God reigns with power, dominion, and authority. And the kingdom of heaven is where he functions from. And here's what's interesting. We all can now function in the kingdom of heaven because we've been born into the kingdom of God. Now, let me just, in my carnal thinking, help you Get this, and please excuse how I explain this, but I think it's the best way to do it. So, let's say that Texas represents the kingdom of God. Texas. Everybody say Texas. You know, when I meet people, they be like, where are you from? I say, I'm from Texas. I say, God lives there. He just visits everywhere else. And sometimes, I, you know, I, you know I, people get offended, so I just say, I'm joking. But let's just pretend at this point... <laughs> let's just pretend at this point that texas represents the kingdom of god so all the other states represents the kingdoms of this world now watch this you cannot get to the capital what's the capital of texas austin you cannot get to the capital okay to function from until you have been admitted into the state of texas or be born again so I'm trying to help you see the difference between the two. Texas represents the kingdom of God. And, the other way, and listen, you can't even fly. You might fly into Austin, but you, when you fly into Austin, you're flying into Texas. So listen, here's why I'm bringing that up, because I want to challenge us today to raise our value in the kingdom of heaven. Because, see, where your value is, is what you will... Uh, uh, not only focus on, but it's what you'll protect. 
See, the reason you lock your car when you get in it or get out of it is because you protecting it. The reason you lock, how many lock your house when you got, when you left today? Did you lock it? Did you lock it? All right. Well, why did you lock it? You're protecting what's valuable to you. Well, I want to encourage us today to value the heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because there's a better life that will come out of it. But most of us, listen, we've deemed our life so valuable that the kingdom of God doesn't have enough value to it for us to make adjustments to live by it. So here's point number two if you're taking notes. I want to talk about three major, not all of them, but three major benefits to living a kingdom life. Three major benefits to living a kingdom life. Here's benefit number one. If you're watching, it should come up on your screen. Living a kingdom life guarantees me, watch this, to have all of my needs met. Wow. You kidding me? Listen, when I function in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom life guarantees me to have all of my needs met. And it's not that like the guarantees we get. You know how you're on TV and you see these knives and they say, you know, if you buy these knives that we guarantee for life that these knives will stay sharp. But if they don't, send them back in and we'll send you some more knives. Well, what if they out of business? Where are you going to send the knives to? But see, that's not the kind of guarantee I'm talking about. Because see, God is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. His guarantees are always good. So look at what it says in Matthew 6.33. We all know this verse. It says, but seek first the what? The kingdom of what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, how much? All these what? Things shall be what? Wow. See, most of us, we're living a work life, not an added life. There's a difference between the two. See, when you live a work life, that means everything you get has to come by the ways and the works of your hand. But when you live an added life, that's when God will do stuff for you. The blessings of the Lord, it'll make you rich and add no sorrow. That's when he'll use people and use their power and their influence and their abilities and their resources to help you. See, That's when you get that promotion and you weren't even qualified for it. That's when they call you about a job that you didn't even apply for. That's when people are looking for you to bless you. I mean, they're looking for you. Let me listen. I'm looking, 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 looking. I bought some some Air Force One shoes, right? And me and one of our musicians wear the same size. I bought these shoes for me. Who did I buy them for? I bought them for me. But why am I giving them to him? Because God used me and my resources and my influences and my abilities to be a blessing to him. See, the problem with most of us, we want to be on the other end of the blessing. Okay, so if you want to stay on that side, you know, the scripture says, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men do what? Give to your bosom. Wow, that's, come on men, give it to me. Well, it's okay to be on that end of it, but Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to what? 
Well, watch this. So I would rather be the man that God is using to give it to other men. Because that means I got something they didn't have and he's using me to give it to them. I'd rather be the river, not the swimming pool. Somebody say amen to that. See, if you become a swimming pool, you'll become like the Dead Sea. Nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. Only things flow in, and that's why it's called the Dead Sea. Here's number two. Here's the second reason why living a kingdom life is good. Living a kingdom life guarantees us to grow. Watch this. Once you and I commit ourselves and we plant ourselves in the kingdom. In other words, you say grow. I mean growing in purpose, growing in faith, growing in knowledge. All the things that the world wants, we, can, we have the ability to grow in it. Most people, they don't understand their purpose. But when we, you and I commit to kingdom living, God will, he will expose our purposes to us. Luke chapter 13 verse 18 says this, Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom is like? This was Jesus talking. And whereunto shall I resemble the kingdom of God? It is like a grain of mustard seed. When a man took it, he cast it into his garden, and it did what, church? It grew. So he's comparing now the kingdom of God to this seed. When the seed was planted, once it was committed to the ground, it grew, it waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. I like the New Living Translation. It says this, Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree. In other words, what's my point, church? My point is this. When you and I commit to kingdom living, and when I talk about commit, I'm going to talk about it at the end. I'm talking about uh, 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 a fully commit. See, once you jump off of, you know, when how many grew up swimming in the, in the public pools? Yeah, yeah. We didn't have no swimming pool. Well, I take that back. We had the ones that, that was plastic. Then we graduated to the ones that, you know, you kind of blow up. But for the most part, if you wanted to swim, you had to go to the public swimming pool. And they had a rule when you were swimming that once you climbed up, because if you wanted to dive off the tower, once you climbed up there, you can't come down. So I don't care how high, because, you know, it's higher than what it looks like when you get up there. And so, you know, I've seen people climb up there and then they want to climb back down. They ain't going to let you down. But here's the thing. When you jump off that board, you committed. <laughs> See, some of us, we ain't committed. We, we hanging on to the board. We hanging on it. No, no, no. Here's number three. Kingdom living. Or living a kingdom life gives us access, listen to church, to the mysteries of God, which helps you and I have a better life. There are some mysteries. I've been saying this now for three Sundays. There are mysteries in the kingdom. And you and I, we have access to these mysteries. Matthew chapter 13 verse 10 says this. And the disciples came and said to him, why speak you to them in parables? Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to them, because it is given to you. And it's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to those it is not given. For whosoever hath, in other words, whoever understands the mysteries of the kingdom, to him 
it shall be given and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever does not understand the mysteries of the kingdom, watch this, has not and from him shall be taken away even what he has. So here's the question as we close. Here's the question. How do we grow in kingdom value? How do we grow in our value for kingdom things? Because my challenge today is to whet your appetite for you to do some things differently than what you're doing so that you can not just access, because there are some people watching me and there may be some people in this room who need to, first of all, get into the kingdom by getting born again. But see, some people have gotten comfortable right there. They're like me when I first got saved. Woo, I ain't going to hell. And that's it. They just stopped. So how do we grow in our value for the kingdom, for kingdom things? Here's point number three. Here's the answer. We must increase our appetite. Now, I'm going to define appetite for you. It means a natural desire to satisfy a bodily need, especially for food. It means a strong desire. If I say strong desire. A strong desire or liking for something. Here's what's interesting about an appetite. You can have different appetites for different things. I am a candy person. I've been for most of my life. I met a pastor this weekend that's like me. We both like candy. And me, I mean, I'm a serious candy eater. I'm going to have some in my bag. I'm going to have some in my backpack. I'm going to have some in my car. I'm going to have some in my, my, my nightstand. I'm going to eat some candy. Why? Because I get an appetite. And then sometimes when you are hungry and you get an appetite for food, if you don't satisfy that appetite, what happens? Your stomach starts growling. Have you ever been in a meeting and your stomach starts growling? Like, everybody be like, So here's a take-home statement I want you to think about throughout the week. Your appetite, listen, controls your need for food, but your diet determines what you eat. I'm going to say that again. Your appetite, everybody say your appetite. And And listen, raise your hand if you ever get hungry. Raise your hand if you ever get hungry. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, everybody gets hungry. And if you say, well, Pastor Evan, I don't get hungry, that means you eat all the time. We know. We know. Your appetite controls your need for food, but your diet determines what you eat. And in order for us to grow, listen church, in our value for kingdom things, we must, say must, we must increase our appetite for kingdom things. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. And then what happens to those people? He says, they shall be filled. Okay, so wait a minute. I will get filled if my appetite or my hunger level is up when it comes to kingdom things. So here's the next question. How do I increase my appetite for righteous things or for kingdom things? Here's the thing. We must decrease our diet of carnal things and then our appetite for righteous things will grow. Oh, I'm going to say that again. We must decrease, say decrease. We must decrease our diet of carnal things because see, some of us, 
The reason why we're not hungry spiritually or hungry for kingdom things is because we've replaced those kingdom calories with some carnal junk food. John put it like this in John chapter 3 verse 30. He must increase and I must decrease. In other words, here's the deal. If when you get hungry, that's a sign that you need to feed yourself. The problem is when we are hungry spiritually, we don't recognize which appetite it's coming from. And so because we don't recognize that I'm really needing to feed myself spiritually, we try to satisfy because it's, it's in the invisible realm. See, your soul and your spirit are so close to each other because they're both spirit. That's why the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Even to the dividing, watch this, of soul and spirit. The word is the only thing that can divide those two. And so what happens, these appetites come. But most of us don't recognize where the appetites are coming from. So watch this. So we feed the one that we don't need to feed. This is why you can be on Instagram and, and Facebook and on social media for hours. You're feeding an appetite, but you're feeding the wrong one. And this is why when spiritual temptation comes, when physical temptations come, we flunk sometimes. You know why we flunk? We, I'm talking to somebody online right now. You flunk because whatever dog you feed the most is going to win the fight. If you get two dogs... And they're twins. And they were raised together. And they start fighting. Which dog is going to win? The strongest one. Which, which, typically, which one is the strongest? The one who ate the most. So, we must decrease our appetite. So now, watch this now. Watch First John chapter 2. I'm closing right here. Hot dog. I got to hurry up. It says, love not the what? The world. Then he goes on to say, Neither the things that are what? In the, he didn't say you couldn't like it. He said, but don't love it. Then he says, if any man loves the world, and let me add this, and the stuff in it, he said, the love of the Father is what? In other words, he's saying, when you have so much love for the world and the stuff that's in the world, it crowds out your love for God. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, let's see what this is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the what? Pride of life. He said, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away in the lust of the world, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So, that means now, we need to walk out of here with a strategy. Because, see, I want to grow spiritually more deeper every day and every month this year than I did the previous month and year. Because if we're going to, listen, I believe there are some things that I, I, our money can't buy, our education can't open for us, and I believe there's some knowledge that God wants to drop inside of you that will take you places and introduce you to people that you could not have done on your own. But see, we got to get close enough for God to do that. So here's the question. How do we get into a position 
so that we grow in this kingdom value. In other words, that's more important to me. How do you get there? Well, first of all, let me just say it right up front. This ain't on here, but but you gotta you gotta die. You gotta die. Now, here's the thing about dying. God gives us opportunities to die every day. Paul said, "I die daily." So, how do how do we apply this? First of all, we're gonna have to evaluate our heart's kingdom value position. In other words, where is my heart when it comes to uh, the kingdom stuff? Where is it? Here's the question. Are you all in? Look at your neighbor and say, are you all in? See, a lot of people are not all in. COVID proved that. See, COVID was a revealer of hearts. So, so if you want to know what COVID did, it, it just reveals hearts. That's all it did. And see, the question is, are you all in? Because if you all in, you all ain't. Here's the question. Are you happy? Now, you can ask yourself, are you like this in your marriage? Are you happy? Here's number three. Are we inconsistently in? I'm in and I'm out. I'm dipping and I'm diving. I'm slipping and I'm sliding. Right? Are we lukewarm? You know, I, I, I love God. Okay, so why you, why, I, I'm not saying you don't love God, but, but why are we loving God sliding backwards? Why are you drinking more now than you did before you got saved? That's pretty bad. I mean, you would think when you're not saved, you're guzzling it down like a gallon of gas in a Subaru. I mean, you sucking it up. I mean, you downing it, man. You are drinking more as a believer. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know if it's in the room. I'm going to keep my my eyes straight on the camera. Why? My value for the kingdom has been interrupted. Here's number two. How do we apply this? We must change our diet, listen church, to accommodate the appetite. In other words, we're going to have to make a decision to now stop feeding ourselves stuff that ain't going to help us. You know, I dare you to just take your, your social media life. Because I asked myself this question this week. What was I doing before social media took place? What was you doing? Man, you, look, you, you posting and you ghosting and you roasting. It's all in there, right? What was you doing? Before social media existed, what was you doing? And then number three, here's the hard one. We must starve our flesh so that our spirit can thrive. How do you starve something? Stop feeding it, right? Watch this, watch this, watch this. I I, I want you to take a month, 30 days. Let's try a week because that 30 days is a long time. Some of y'all, boy, we have to call 911. This is emergency. You know how you call your doctor's office. They say, hey, this is so-and-so. Uh, you know, if it's a medical emergency, please call 911. Well, if I do a month, we're going to have to call for a medical emergency for some of y'all. So I-, I want you to just take this week, if you haven't done it, 
And I want you to fast some areas that are carnal, that you do on a regular basis. Now, you say, well, pastor, well, I work out. That's good. You know, I know it's good. But, you know, but scriptures, you, you know, you, you be asking wrong people about asking, wrong person asking about exercise. You know, the Bible says bodily exercise profit little. You ain't going to G- you ain't going to heaven with muscles. Really? No, you are not going to heaven with muscles. Jesus did not look any different. He had scars on his hand. No, it says, so I'm not saying stop working out every day. But if you spend it two hours, why don't you do an hour? And then take the other hour and use it for some spiritual calisthenics. Say amen. You know, if, if if you do scrabble, you just like scrabble or you like you know, puzzles and, and you spend an hour on that. Why don't you take 30 minutes? I'm just, I ain't saying take it out. I'm saying just carve out some time because if you don't, your spiritual appetite won't grow. Can I tell you a secret? Once you start growing or eating spiritually, you want to eat some more. Say amen to that. So with every head bowed, there are some people who need to make some decisions today because I've said it and I said it I said it one way I said it a different way I said it a different way and now I'm saying it again today but but some of you haven't gotten the message has what been said these five weeks motivated you to do something differently spiritually that you weren't already doing before the year started father I thank you because your word says That when it's planted, and it's planted in good ground, it will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold in our lives. And so I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the word that was spoken has reached the hearts of your people. The Holy Spirit took it and transplanted it on the inside. And Father, as the word was transplanted, your minds were, were renewed. And I pray that today we will make decisions out of conviction and not out of convenience and I thank you for it in Jesus name whatever here still bowed here's my question if you die today are you sure you'd go to heaven